Were you ever one of those kids who always felt like your parents were forcing you to do something? Maybe your parents made you go to church, or they made you take piano lessons, or they made you learn Spanish, or whatever. It was something that was important to them, and they, in turn, wanted it to be important to you. Maybe for years, you did whatever it was begrudgingly. As a teenager, you'd kind of roll your eyes, but you did it anyway. And then suddenly, as an adult, one day there is a light bulb moment where you realize that all those years of your parents encouraging you to do something all of a sudden becomes something that you care about and it becomes something you want to do on your own. Suddenly, no one is forcing you. You're doing it because you want to. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show's all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an amazing person who is trying to make a positive impact not only through their personal life, but also with their professional career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact right where you are. My guest this week is Jennifer Lunsford with Rahab's Rope, a nonprofit and jewelry brand that is giving hope to women and children who have been or are at risk of being exploited through human trafficking. As you know, this is an issue that is near and dear to my heart, so I was really excited to have Jennifer on the show. But before we dive in, I want to mention our podcast sponsor, and that is Cultivate What Matters. With an ever-growing list of to-dos, it is so easy to feel overwhelmed and dispassionate by the tasks on your plate or disappointed you're not spending enough time doing the things you love and caring for the people you love. The ladies at Cultivate What Matters want you to press the reset button. They believe your time can be spent intentionally and that your to-do lists can be simplified by uncovering meaningful goals and taking action on them little by little. In doing this, we learn to celebrate progress, not perfection. Cultivate What Matters was created to give you the community, resources, and encouragement to realize that you can make great things happen, big or small. You can find out more at stillbeingmolly.com slash cultivate, or you can go back to episode 37 of the podcast to hear my interview with my sweet friend, Lara Casey, who is the founder of Cultivate What Matters. Okay, now without further ado, on to my conversation with Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Hey, Molly. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to have you on. This has been, I feel like this is an interview that has been a long time in the making. We have been connected for quite some time now. And then I was like, I'd wanted to have you on the show. And then our schedules didn't match up. And we had a crazy summer. And so I'm just like, oh, I'm so excited to finally be able to sit down and hear your story and hear all about Rahab's Rope. I completely agree. <laughs> so we're going to just dive right in because okay. I there's just so many things that I want to ask you about. Um, and so I'm going to have you do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Jennifer 101. So tell us your story and how you got involved with Rahab's Rope. Oh, perfect. All right. So my name is Jennifer Lunsford, and um, I got involved with Rahab's Rope through my mother, who is the founder of Rahab's Rope. Um, it's an interesting story, I guess, for me. Um, this started years ago, um, and her kind of dragging me along, um, (laughs) yes, on mission trips or selling product out of the back of her car. And I, you know, I'd always been around missions, but I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to go to college and get my degree and, get married and have children and all of that. And so that's exactly what I did. I um, graduated from Liberty University with a, a bachelor's degree in psychology and thought that that was the route I was going to take. Um, I then married um, 
someone that I had known for many, many years. And um, now we have two sons, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, and then when I decided I wanted to get my master's in psychology, I started my first semester. I decided to take Liberty's online classes um, for the beginning of this. So I had registered for my first semester there, um, was good to go. And during that time, I just felt like this was not what I was supposed to be doing. I just, something was off. And I kept telling my husband, I said, I just can't figure it out. I can't pinpoint what I'm supposed to do. Talk to my mother. And, you know, I said, how is the business looking like? Do you see that there's a full-time position for me? And when I came to her, she said, I just had somebody resign, uh, put in their two-week notice today because they were, they recently married and she and her new husband um, were moving out of town. They were moving out of state. So she said, actually, yes, I do. So I just couldn't believe it. It was just, I mean, as always, God's timing is, is always be- best. I feel like he always puts us in those situations where we have to have more faith in him and depend on him and mm-hmm. just always trust that our best interest is at his heart. So I called my husband and I said, mom, you know, said, um, they do have a full-time position available and she actually, you know, is going to need me. They need more help because the business is starting to grow. Um, so I got together with my parents and yet again, I never thought that this is what I would be doing is working with my parents running a family business combating human trafficking. I was always so involved in missions, not by choice, not that I, you know, didn't want to have anything to do with it. It was just, I wanted to pave my own way in life. And so, you know, all those years of my parents dragging me, you know, overseas (laughs) or to churches or wherever they took me, selling product out of the back of her car when she first started Rahab's Rope. Um, You know, I just got that whole time God was shaping me to do what he has called me to do. Um, I love that. Now, for those that are not familiar with Rahab's Rope, and we've alluded to it a little bit, but tell mm -hmm. us a little bit about Rahab's Rope and how it got started and the mission of it and everything. Yeah, sure. So um, my parents took a trip to India um, back in 2000 uh, to visit some friends who had moved to India full time to work with um, an orphanage in Goa, uh, India. And I um, I didn't go on that first trip. This, the two of my parents went and they came back. And my mom, I guess she's traveled to probably around 17 countries or so. And she just really felt like she was being called to India. She didn't know doing what She just knew that's where God was calling her. So she came back, and then two years later, um, fast forward two years later, um, she and my dad um, decided to plan another trip to India, this time to see what it would look like if she were to be involved in missions in India. Yet again, she didn't know what, and I went on that trip with them. And I was in high school at the time. So... What I experienced there, you know, was 
I was not prepared for it. My parents told me about it, but you know, India is just a different world. It's a beautiful country, but it's just so different than what I was used to being in my comfort zone here in Georgia in the South. Yeah. Um, so we went on that trip and met with an Indian pastor and it was, it's interesting because he had been praying that somebody, a female, a woman would come to him because he wanted to do something helping these ladies in the red light area. But as a man, he can't just go in and, you know, start working with these ladies. There's a trust factor there. There's just a lot to it. And he, he was looking for that female partner and that partner was my mother. Yeah. And so it was, you know, God was working on both of them at the same time and then brought them together um, in 2002 when the three of us had taken that trip overseas. So then she quickly learned about um, the issue of trafficking in India. Um, they still operate, still to this day operate, you know, on a bribery system, um, which is, you know, unfortunate and that that hinders things a little bit, but that's how the ball kind of got rolling was, um, meeting with this Indian pastor and learning about, you know, the issue there. And she watched a YouTube video and she said, you know, the young girls that she watched, none of them said that they wanted a handout. They just wanted somebody to teach them a trade. They just wanted hope and opportunity. And so she thought, well, my dad's background is healthcare IT, so he's got the business background, and they didn't want to just fundraise. They wanted to teach these young girls and, and ladies a trade, educate them, whatever the need was, so that they could go back into their community in a positive way. And while they were employed through Rahab's Rope, they, of course, would be earning a fair wage. And then if they want to go on to other things, that's the that's our mission. It's not to employ them indefinitely, but to find out what they would like to do and help them reach that goal and then see that they go out in the into the community and reach that goal. Yeah. Um, well, there's one quick thing I want to kind of pause and uh just address a little bit because it's a really important point that you brought up is that the women that they were working with, they did not want a handout. And that is such a, it's something that I feel like sometimes I have to remind myself because I feel like, well, duh, everybody knows this. But then I realize like, no, Mm -hmm. I just talk about it all the time. So (laughs) of course I I have to like stop myself and say, no, I I can't assume everybody knows this. And then when I get out there and I start having conversations with people who don't work in this area, they just think that, you know, people in developing nations and, and women in India and things like that, people, women who have been caught in the human, in human trafficking, they just want somebody to swoop in and, and rescue them. And mm-hmm. they just want, you know, charity, which is not what they want at all. They want to be rescued, but they want an opportunity. They want a chance to, in in some case, you know, I don't know if I'm wording this correctly, but like rescue themselves. They want an opportunity to pull themselves out of a situation. And so it's not that they are lacking talent or they are lacking the wherewithal it's that they are lacking 
you know, whether it's the resources or the finances or the, or the opportunity or the connections or the community, whatever it is, there's some type of rung of the wheel, so to speak, that is missing for them. Yes, that is 100% correct. And a lot of people don't take the time, I guess, and it's not by any fault of theirs. You just, you don't have an understanding for an issue so much here in the U.S., um, you know, as, as what the issue really is, I guess. Oh, for sure. For sure. And so there was this opportunity and this partnership that you, you mentioned, um, that your mom had with this, with this Indian pastor. And so was it from that partnership that Rahab's rope was born or was it kind of after the fact at, at what point was that, did all of that kind of come to a head, so to speak? Between 2002 and 2004. So there was a two-year time period there where all of this kind of fell into place. It did form when we met with the Indian pastor and met um, some ladies in the community. Now, this is in Bangalore. Mm -hmm. Um, It all kind of formed then when we met the, the ladies that were familiar with the red light areas, and they had the resources to be able to help us help these women. Mm -hmm. They couldn't necessarily do it on their own. So it was like my mother was the missing piece. And then when she met this group, it all kind of, it took about a year and a half, two years for it to kind of come into fruition. Yeah. Now, I... At what point, you know, I love that you were like, yeah, as a child and as a teenager, you were dragged on mission trips and stuff like that. I feel like, uh, you know, whether it was mission trips or something like that, like mm-hmm. we all have that story of our parents or somebody, you know, an older adult in our life, like forcing mm-hmm. us to do something we didn't want to do. And later on, we're like, oh, I'm really glad that I did that um, or whatever it is. At what point, you know, I know you had that conversation with your husband where you were saying, like, you really didn't feel like you were doing what you were supposed to be doing. And then all of a sudden this opportunity opens up for you to continue to help your parents grow this family business. I mean, I know you say family business, but I mean, this is a global business that is having global impact. So at what point was it no longer your mom and dad dragging you (laughs) on a mission (laughs) trip and all of a sudden like it clicked for you that this was where you were, you you were made for such a time as this, like that you were mm-hmm. created for this position in this time. And it, and it just, it clicked. Was there a, a moment like that for you or a time? I think it was when really during that first semester um, of grad school. And I just felt a sense of I just being empty. Like what is, I know I have more purpose than, I mean, being a, a, you know, a wife and, uh, you know, eventually a mother, that's a huge purpose um, and calling. But I just I felt just empty. Mm-hmm. And I had gone. I traveled with my mother doing a few conferences um, pri- a few months prior to that, um, setting up a booth, you know, talking to people about Rahab's Rope and selling the products. But I think those last few conferences and then that kind of halfway between that um, first semester of grad school, just the way I felt, it was just, I, I don't know, it just dawned on me and I was like, duh, this is what I've been this whole time. I didn't want to, you know, 
do what my parents were doing. I wanted to pave my own way, but yet God was preparing me to be, you know, kind of disappointed or, you know, not fulfilled in what I was doing, but he was preparing me this whole time um, with my mom, taking me along with her to these different places. So I guess it was just during that first semester, I just kind of, you know, I, I remember it was around uh, or right before Easter. I remember getting on my knees in the floor, praying to, for God to just show me what I was supposed to do because I was tired. I was confused. And, you know, I just I just wanted to I knew God had great things for me. I just needed to know what that was. And I just needed confirmation on what that was going to be. And he made that very clear. Yeah, that's amazing. And don't you love it when that happens? It's just like, yes. it's such a freeing moment. Oh, it yes, very much so. <laughs> and so Rahab's Rope has grown so much over the years. Now, you guys are, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are a 501c3 nonprofit, but then you also, you have sort of this component of working, you know, kind of directly getting directly involved with the anti-human trafficking efforts while also selling products. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. That's what I thought. And I was just like, that was my understanding, but I was like, I don't want to say this and then completely mess it up. So, um, could talk a little bit about just in general, like, I mean, this maybe sounds like a very basic question, but you know what I'm saying is like the business model is, so what is the the ultimate goal? Because you, you have this dual rung of, of the nonprofit side, like really focusing on Mm -hmm. fighting anti-human trafficking efforts and then, um, or fighting human trafficking efforts. And then on the other side, you've got the jewelry and accessories and home decor and things like that, that are also providing sustainable economic opportunity for people. Yes. So we we do have a lot of lot of components to Brahab's rope. We have a lot of different things going on, I guess. Um, so we have our business model, um, of course, like I was saying, you know, we want to teach these women a trade, but we our goal isn't to employ them indefinitely. Some, of course, yes, they stay with us and, and we love it. We couldn't operate without them. Um, so we have uh, five women's centers in India. We first started in Bangalore. Um, then we expanded to Mumbai, Goa, New Delhi, and now we're up in um, far northeastern India in Manipur. So we have centers in India where we provide uh, basic education and vocational training. Um, we can house women. Um, we rent flats. So the bottom level will be the Uh, vocational training where they make the products and their education. Um, They work on math and English. Um, And so in our centers, they make the sewing items that a lot of the sewing items we sell, um, a lot of the jewelry, all of our jewelry that's natural stones and freshwater pearls, it comes from the ladies we're hands on on with in India. That's awesome. Um, and then we do have a fair trade partner, uh, faith-based fair trade partner. I guess eight years now we've been partnered with them. And so they do a lot of our home decor items, our bags and our throws. 
um, and they have a group. They do similar work, um, and they also employ a lot of men, which, of course, helps the issue. If you can keep men employed um, and off the streets, you know, then hopefully the trafficking issue will um decrease, you know, somewhat. Um, so they hand carve all of the wood products we have out of mango wood. Um, they hand stitch a lot of things, the tote bags we have, but so we have, um, our two stores that we sell the products in. So the ladies make the products, they're paid before the items are sold and shipped here. They're paid on a a cycle. Um, and so we ship the products to our warehouse in Gainesville, Georgia, Um, And then we disperse between the two stores. Um, And then we also travel to about 35, sometimes 40 conferences a year. Um, Those conferences may be nursing conferences, educators, um, uh, faith-based, wherever we see we would fit. um, And women would be interested in what we're doing and would want to learn more and where they would purchase the product. So we set up a full... 10 by 10 booths, sometimes larger, um, and we sell the products that our ladies are making at these uh, conferences, and we get to share with them about Rahab's Rope. And we also um, look for women to take on missions trips with us. We take teams throughout the year, whether it be medical missions or just missions in general. Um, So conferences are a great way for us to find uh, potential team members uh, to come along with us. Um, we do sell wholesale to people. We have about 65 stores that we're in right now. Um, and we have an on, we also have an online catalog. Um, and then we do host parties. So we do a little over 200 host parties a year. Um, and it's the same as any in-home party where you have product and literature and people can order and purchase anything that comes in the kit um, mm-hmm. that we send. So we have several several ways of getting our products um, in front of people and getting the story of Rahab's Rope and um, educating people on the issue of human trafficking. And I will mention in the host parties, we do send a five-minute um, DVD, and it's just touching base on uh, global human trafficking stats, along with uh, specifics on Rahab's Rope. I know you're loving this chat with Jennifer, and I wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor of the show who's able to help make it possible, and that's Cultivate What Matters. This is something I talk about all the time, and that is pursuing our God-given dreams and goals. You want to be the person you were made to be, but your time, heart, and energy have been sucked dry by guilt, distractions, and not knowing where to go next. Enter the Power Sheets. I have personally been a Power Sheets user for over three years, and they have completely transformed how I set goals and grow both personally and professionally. This incredible one-year intentional goal planner from Cultivate What Matters is ready to help you uncover intentional goals and live them out. It's absolutely for anyone, love-at-home moms, students, CEOs, entrepreneurs, women in any season of life who need a grace-filled system that works. Thousands of women all over the world have made their goals happen with the Power Sheets. It is your day planner's best friend. The Power Sheets are a proven process that works and includes 12 full months of goal-setting worksheets to help make your goals a reality. Are you ready to live on purpose? If you want to finally be the woman you were created to be, free of pressure and the need to be perfect, head over to stillbeingmolly.com slash cultivate now to order your Power Sheets and explore their entire 2019 collection. Now, back to my chat with Jennifer. 
That's such an important thing that gets lost sometimes in the discussion, and that is the education component. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, because I have, I do work with anti-human trafficking groups here in North Carolina, and one of the big, big, big sectors that we work to educate are both medical, like, you know, nurses and doctors and teachers. And people always ask us why. And I'm just like, well, for one, I mean, this is domestically and this stat is not Mm -hmm. that off from internationally as well. But domestically, nine out of 10 human trafficking victims have been seen by a doctor while they were being trafficked. And so for a doc, you know, to be able to train nurses and doctors to identify signs that somebody might be being trafficked is so key because think about it a nurse or a doctor can very easily you know shoo anybody else out of the room and be able to talk with a potential victim one-on-one and be able to figure out what's actually going on same with teachers like teachers could be interacting Mm -hmm. with human trafficking victims on a regular basis and not necessarily know it unless they have the training. It is obviously a little bit different internationally. um, But I mean, having worked with human trafficking victims in Kenya, you know, a lot of them had been taken to a clinic of some kind at some point. And so being able to work with doctors and nurses in Kenya and explain to them the signs and be like, no, 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 this is not somebody who is a prostitute. This is somebody who is yes. being trafficked. And being able to help mm-hmm. them identify the difference between that. That's so, so, so important. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to kind of like highlight, because I think sometimes that little that little bit can get missed in the, in the larger discussion. Yes, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Now, I want to talk about the name um, because... <laughs> So, and my husband edits the show and he's, I know like as soon as he sees that the name of the company is Rahab's Rope, he's going to be like, you love them, don't you? Um, Because Rahab is arguably, after Jesus, of course, my favorite person in the Bible. Um, And because I I love, I love the story of Rahab. And if, if you are listening and you are not a believer and you, or you're not somebody who has spent a lot of time reading the Bible and you don't necessarily know the story of Rahab, um, we're just going to give you like the 36,000 foot view of the story of Rahab. So Rahab was a, she was a, a prostitute, mm-hmm. um, although, you know modern day Rahab she was likely a human trafficking victim but she was a prostitute in the city of Jericho and the Israelites are supposed to be going in and conquering this city and so Rahab goes in there two of the Israelite spies go in and she is she catches them but instead of turning them in to the people who are looking for the Israelite spies she hides them and so she hides them and in return they say that you know that Rahab and her family will be protected by God when the city of Jericho gets taken down basically. And, (laughs) and, but the whole thing about the rope is, and do you want to explain the significance of the rope? Because I think it's just, oh, it's so cool. Well, yes. So I'll tell you this part. My mother was studying the book of Joshua at the time. Mm -hmm. All of this was um, kind of coming to life. And she thought, well, if something does come of this sex trafficking organization, what in the world would I call it? And she was taking um, 
a class actually online, a biblical studies class online through Liberty University, and they were studying the book of Joshua, specifically Rahab. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so she, again, as she was reading all about Rahab, she just loved the story. Mm-hmm. And um, she was saying, you know, it's to be said, you know, Rahab was hid the spies under um, the bundles of flax. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, our little rope we have is the, what my, I guess the studies say, you know, the rope comes from, came from that flax. If she had enough flax to, to hide the spies under, then she probably had enough flax to make the rope out of, to hang outside of her home as a, uh, symbolizing, you know, that she was safe. Mm-hmm. So during this process of thinking about what to name it, it was just literally like she just read that and she was like, this is what it's going to be, Rahab's rope. Yeah. And it's just such a beautiful picture of the redemptive nature of the gospel. And I just, I like I said, I love to talk about it. And it's funny, too, because I um, I do BSF, Bible Study Fellowship, and we are mm-hmm. actually studying the people of the promised land. And we just finished our study of Joshua. And so then we moved on to Ruth. And we're talking about Ruth and Boaz. And one of my favorite things about Boaz, which he is, you know, the, the kinsman redeemer, he is the redeemer of Ruth. Um, and he's the the son of Rahab. And I'm just like, man, this is so awesome because, and then you keep going and you keep going and guess who's in like in the genealogy of Jesus, guess who we got Boaz and Rahab. And it's just like, I get so excited talking about this because it's just, it's such an amazing picture of, uh, of what God created literally from the beginning and his plan literally from the beginning to redeem all of us. And, and the answer like as I was, as I've been doing a lot of the, the studying and, and studying Joshua and really, really diving into the story of Rahab and just the redemptive nature of this story of taking someone who by all intents and purposes, or for all intents and purposes, the her, society just viewed her as trash. Society mm-hmm. viewed her as broken and lost and there was no hope for her, much like society views women or or men who have been who have suffered from being victims of human trafficking, society views them as trash, as useless. And and God literally can take that and redeem it for so much good. And it is incredible. It's incredible. And I mean, there's just that picture from the beginning is just, it's beautiful. And what what God can take out of that ugly, ugly thing and then use it to to save others and inspire others and rescue others like, you know, nothing else can be done through that. <laughs> I know. I know. It really is amazing just thinking about the the whole picture of yeah, it. Yeah. And so to, for, to use that, you know, and that symbol of, you know, Rahab's rope as the name of an amazing company that is working to rescue these beautiful people, you know, I just, I, I love it. And that's one. Of, that's one of the things that drew me most to what you guys are doing, and really, in my eyes, like helps you guys kind of stand out <laughs> in some ways because it's just yes, it's just such a beautiful picture. Well, we agree, and thank you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I think it yeah. just it relates so well to the work we're doing. I mean, it it couldn't be any more of a 
of a better fit. I mean, the name couldn't be because, you know, you're taking these these women, these young girls who have never they've never been any been given a chance, you know, and they're some they're that something that's broken and you're taking them and you're restoring them into something that's so beautiful that they never knew that they were. And so I just think that, you know, as God's plan is always perfect and, you know, the timing of my mother studying Rahab Mm -hmm. just couldn't have been any more better than it was when all of this, you know, was coming about. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Well, so what is on the horizon for Rahab's Rope here at the end of the year and into the next year? Well, um, we're working on several, several things. Um, we have a couple of opportunities with some, um, larger faith-based retailers, which is very exciting where, uh, we've got a few things in the pipeline with that. And, you know, I just think about when I, when we talk to these specific retailers, it's just so interesting and empowering too, I should say thinking about my mother 14 years ago selling products that she brought back from India out of the back of her car to whoever, you know, would buy it, to now, you know, being in 65 stores, having two stores of our own, and then even having the opportunity to talk to these larger retailers so that we can, I mean, of course, the more products we sell, the more ladies we can help, the more we can pay them. But it's just that many more people will be educated Mm -hmm. somewhat on human trafficking. Yes. Amen to that. Um, You know, unfortunately, it is becoming such an um, an issue here, you know, stateside. But that's why we need, you know, organizations like Rahab's Rope and others to, you know, be on the forefront of all of this and all work together so that we can raise edu- uh, awareness and education um, to consumers. Um, so we've got a couple of things with that. My parents will be traveling back to India um, in January, and we hope to expand um, our home decor line. They're going to be um, working on that. And I can't always travel because I do have a three-year-old and a seven-year-old at home. So mom will just Skype me in, you know, all times of the night for their meeting saying, what do you think about this? You know? Yeah. So, um, that's always a lot of fun, but I think the main thing for us that we foresee for 2019 is partnerships with similar organizations here stateside mm-hmm. um, because we are global. But like I you know, said and like everyone knows, trafficking is becoming such a problem here. And it is such a problem yeah. here in the U.S. So I think that that's our main thing is finding um, these other great organizations that um, to partner with here stateside so that we can all work together um, to combat this whole issue. I agree. I agree. And, you know, just going back to kind of like what we said earlier, and it's just, um, you know, and and there are people that will disagree with me, and that's fine. You would be wrong. (laughs) But, you know, at the end of the day, like I have, I've been in this work for eight years now, and I by and by no means am an expert, but um, I've spent a lot of time, um, 
you know, talking with both, uh, you know, overcomers of human trafficking and mm-hmm. um, people who work you know, in the the different areas, both secular and in faith-based organizations. And I am just convinced that the only way or we are going to end human trafficking in our lifetime is through the love of Jesus. Like, it's the only yes. way. Because there's just, yes, we have to have all of these resources. But, like, when you really, really boil it down and when you really get below the surface of you know, ending the demand and what what causes the demand and what causes um, everything from, you know, global poverty and all these things like the things that that end up causing human trafficking and and causing somebody to want to go and and pay somebody for sex. Like the ultimate answer for breaking all of those chains is Jesus. Like it's the only answer. And so I just love how you use both your faith and, you know, the story of Rahab and things like that to inspire others to lead them to the ultimate thing that is going to set them free. And so um, I just wanted to throw that in there because it's... Well, thank you. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, I think given our name, our name is different and it does come from the Bible. So that's always such a a great kind of segue into, you know, some people that come in our stores. Well, where did you get the name? Yeah. A lot of people know who Rahab is, but a lot of people do not. Exactly. And so it's just, it's great. One of our stores um, is in Northeast Georgia in Clarksville. And so we have a lot of tourists that come through. And so we often get, you know, well, where did you get the name? The name is interesting. It drew us into the store, but where did you get the name? So like you're saying, you know, that name is such an easy way to start talking about, yeah, it's just you know, beginning a conversation. Yes, That's all it is. Yes, and somebody then might you, and you never know like what that conversation might lead that person to do. Maybe they go home and they start to read more about the story of Rahab, or maybe they go home and they just start to learn more about the Book of Joshua, and then that maybe you know ultimately leads them into opening up a Bible they haven't opened up in twenty years, and you know what I mean. Right. Like you, just, yes. you never know. You never know. So. Um, oh, gosh, I love that. Okay, I could talk about this all day. <laughs> um, so we're going to transition a little bit to the get to know you portion where we just ask some fun questions. And also, this is the portion of the show, as my listeners know, where my amazing and talented husband inserts a sound effect of his choosing to transition <laughs> us to said get to know you round. Well, Mr. Griffin, let's take a look at your physical results. Ah, <gasps> there's a spider in here. Now, here we go. Mr. Griffin, you're going to expire in a month. <laughs> this is your driver's license, isn't it? Now, unfortunately, I'm afraid you're going to die. <gasps> when you watch these Dean Martin celebrity roasts... Will you just tell us how Peter's health is? Uh, Mr. Griffin, I'm not quite sure how to say this. Kim Bassinger? Ba- Basinger? Ba- Basinger? Basinger? But now, on to the cancer. <laughs> oh, my God. You are a cancer, right? You were born in July? Now, on to these test results. My, they're much worse than I thought. Oh. My son got a D minus on his history test. Now, Mr. Griffin, that liver's got to come out. What? It's been in the microwave for three minutes. It'll get dry. Okay, so uh, question number one is if we were to hook up your recently played playlist on whether it's like Spotify, Apple Music, Pandora, or whatever, what would we hear? Oh, my goodness. You would hear Kid Bops. <laughs> and- <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, hashtag mom of young kids. Kids bops or something like kids that. Bop. Kids something bop. Something along those lines. Oh, yes, um, kids bop. I'm very and, much familiar with kids um, bop. <laughs> yes. Um, and country music. I like it. I like it. Do you have a particular artist you're a fan of? 
Um, well, George Strait, really. Oh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with George Strait. I like it. <laughs> no, you gotta can't. Lo- gotta love a man who stands there at a microphone not playing a guitar. Love it's it. It's just the the old <laughs> the oldies. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, number two is what is the one beauty or like uh yeah like beauty product you just can't live without um oh i have a a newfound love in skincare mm. um it's called our skin cares Ooh, have you, i have not heard of this you'll have to look it up we're actually going to start um carrying it in our stores um but it's a um an anti-aging serum and I've been using it for um, about a month and a half now, and I love it. My I put it on in the morning and at night, and my skin is more hydrated than it has ever been. Ooh! Okay. And they I'm donate a portion of their sales to um, food for the poor. Oh, that's awesome! Okay, I'm yes. definitely looking this up because I've not Look heard them of up. them, and I, that sounds like something that is right at my alley. Yes. Okay. Question number three is: What is your guilty pleasure? Dark chocolate. Oh, once I start, I cannot stop. <laughs> it's like Pringles, but not. <laughs> yes. Once you pop, you can't or like stop. wheat thins, you just keep going back <laughs> in the in the bag or the box. Yeah, it's like one of those things where you're like, oh, the calories aren't so bad, and then you realize the serving set, the serving size is like three crackers, yes. and then you know half a box later, you're like, hmm, I think I've had too many servings. <laughs> well, and I always have it in my head that dark chocolate is healthy. Exactly. It's good so. for your heart. I think like cardiologists are like, you should have dark chocolate and wine. So, you know, yes, honestly, exactly. it's just, it's for my heart, sir. That's right. Um, okay. And then my last question is, what are you most grateful for today? Um, my mother, 100%. Um, just, just the example that, you know, she's always been for me through everything and just I think how you know one tiny five foot tall lady who was a stay-at-home mom could listen to you know God's calling and and you know 14 years later look what has happened yeah that's- so I'm just I'm grateful for that example that's amazing And Jennifer, you are incredible and you clearly take after your mom in so many ways. And I just love to hear your heart and your passion for this in addition to what you guys are doing to rescue those who who are still enslaved. Um, So thank you for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. We we appreciate you taking the time and it finally worked out. Yes. (laughs) I was so inspired hearing the story of Rahab's rope, and I loved chatting with Jennifer. I loved hearing all about what they are doing to fight human trafficking. As always, I will have their details in the show notes. Another huge thank you to this week's podcast sponsor, Cultivate What Matters. Don't forget to go to stillbeingmolly.com slash cultivate to take the first step of getting your life back and cultivating what matters in 2019. Thank you as always for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure you go back to the archives for past shows featuring so many incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Overcast, Radio Public, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you're subscribed to the show. 
Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review really helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. And if you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Business with Purpose podcast or tag me at Still Being Molly on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. This show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, and the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. <laughs>